The Weezer Bracket is brought to you by Gotti. Go see the film the evil film critics don't want you to see. I actually saw Gotti. Yeah. Yeah. It is everything you hope it is. I'm so fucking excited. I haven't been excited for a movie like this in such a long time. I mean, anyway, I will. I think I'm going to make a pledge before anything. I will go see every movie that E from Entourage directs. So basically, I said that I've been kind of joking that it's, it looks like a fake uh, Entourage movie. Yeah. But really, it's like the movie Christopher Moltisanti would write. I don't know who that is. From from The Sopranos. You know, oh, I, yeah. I got busy and I didn't watch all of that. you never seen The Sopranos? I've seen them up to the one where he goes to college and kills a guy where everyone says, it was good. I just got extremely busy and then other stuff happened. It is like the most incomprehensible piece of shit I've seen in forever. The Sopranos? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, got it. I'm so excited for this. Um, number one, we all know that film critics are conspiring against it because they want to keep the movie for themselves. Like they, they, this movie apparently is so good, they're like, "No, we can't let the people see this." It is a very special movie, an extremely special movie in a way I haven't seen since oh, probably Book of Henry. Oh, man, that's I pretty, mean, that's pretty much the highest endorsement this podcast will ever give out to anything. <laughs> if I can compare a movie to Book of Henry, then you know it's good. All right, let's go. All right, a special week of the Weezer Bracket. There are no matchups this week. There are no shitty songs this week. Thank God, because we're... uh, we're kind of tired of all this. Um, <laughs> I mean, we'll keep it going for sure because now we only have to do. Wait, we have <laughs> to do. We have to do sixty-three matchups, and we did a lot. Anyhow, this week we are just talking about songs we like. Yeah, we're at a demo listening party uh, with our friend. We've mentioned a couple times, Megan Costello. Hi guys. And uh, th- she just played us a song where they did Pink Triangle at a high school, and all the kids laughed at the word lesbian. Uh, they hooped and hollered. Yeah, but it was not like it wasn't like it'd be today where it's like unanimous support. It was Let's kind see. of like late 90s. We are still not sure where we fall on these issues. I am Andrew Woods. I'm Nick Robinson. And welcome back to the podcast. Yeah. So now we're just going. This is going to be a little free form. We need a break. And then uh, we didn't have one out because I've been working. So there yep. you go. There's there's all of our excuses out of the way. So if you are hardcore matchup uh, driven by this, I uh, skip it. I don't care. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> We're actually right. drinking this time too, which we've actually never done. Shockingly, by the I've way, I've had a drink or two at Spence's place. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We did do that. But yeah, but not hardcore. By the way, R.I.P. to our first sponsor, Kirkland Light. Uh, Kirkland Light is dead, gone but not forgotten. I hope I hope this isn't a bad time for our other sponsors. <laughs> oh no! Like I hope like Jeff Wells isn't going down. <laughs> this is, we may have jeopardized the uh, box office gross of Fallen Kingdom. What if Gotti does bad? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I'll be able to handle it. What if, what if uh E from Entourage never makes another movie? <laughs> Did you know this is his second movie? What? Yeah, he has another movie before this. What? What what could, what was it? It was like Dillinger? <laughs> he did a movie. No, I don't know. Dillinger Escape Plan, maybe? <laughs> Our friend Damon like actually texted me. He's like, Did you ever see it? I was like, No, I didn't. I never I've never seen his previous film. He's like, I am not a E from Entourage completist. <laughs> Kevin Connolly. 
I was a big fan of Unhappily Ever After. Do you remember the show Unhappily Ever After on the, yeah, uh, the WB? Yeah, it, it was called Not Married with Children. <laughs> yeah. But there was like a there was like a stuffed animal. There was like a stuffed rapper, uh, rabbit. Do you remember who did the voice? Yeah, it's his Bobcat Goldthwait. That's Bobcat. how that's how he got to marry Nikki, Nikki Cox. Cox. Nikki Cox is now married to Jay Moore. What? Yeah, and they have a. Apparently, they're going through a real messy divorce right now. Jeez. Yeah. Who could have thought that somebody Imagine who could only play on Imagine going from Bobcat Goldwave to like Jay Moore. Sorry. Who thought? Who would have thought that somebody who could only play unstable roles and seems unstable in all of her outside dealings uh, would turn out to be unstable? <laughs> Jesus. All right. Megan seems really amused by this. <laughs> Maybe she's just a really good actress, and it's not typecasting. You know what? I could also see like dealing with Bobcat and Jay Moore. Just getting to be too much. It's just like, okay, no, I get it. You're depressed, and it's not a routine. Cool. Yeah. Anyways, love is dead as we know it. If they, if they, neither of those couples can make it work. Don't say that so soon. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll reconcile. There's always hope. There's always hope. This is the weirdest intro we've ever done. <laughs> uh, we always find ways to top ourselves. So. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about Weezer. Oh, my God. That band we've only been talking about for 10 weeks. Why not give it another? Uh, this is not. This is the ninth week. We, I mean, we talked about a lot in prep, though. It's we're just like high like, school. We've been talking about them for like five years consistently. I pulled the mic away too soon. This, uh, this is going to be a little loose one. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this has felt like high school. Revisiting my Weezer hard drive. With oh, all the man. demos and pictures. Yeah, so give us give us the breakdown of how this all came to be. Uh, my Weezer obsession. Well, that or just having us over and. Oh yeah, that. absolutely. Um, I was a nerd in high school. Surprise. You turned it around though. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd like to think that I turned. You're now it around. an architect. I'm now an architect, and I married a man who also has Elvis Costello glasses. So <laughs> it's it's like I followed my teenage. Love. Can I say that I didn't know real architects existed? I thought it was just a fake job that people in sitcoms had. Sitcoms <laughs> and romantic comedies. I know. It's always sitcoms <laughs> and romantic comedy. <laughs> no, I, I know because I looked into uh, doing it in college before I threw my life away pursuing the cinematic arts, and I learned how hard it was, and I said, fuck that. That was a good good decision on your, ha- your behalf. I don't know. I work in independent film, so... All right, just as bad. I deal with hardships, and I don't get uh, paid very well. Well, basically, uh, I have hard drives from when I was in high school, and I was very active on the Weezer message boards, the dot-com message boards. Uh, I wasn't admitted to the Rivers Correspondence so Board. Is that where he was the bars? Wasn't that his like name on the message board? Uh, no, he was just Rivers Cuomo. And then I remember him having like the nickname the Vars. Or he something. probably had a couple alter yeah. egos as well. And then we also were able to get his AIM screen name at that oh time. Oh my god! He was Rivers Cuomo one hundred and one, which is what he tweeted recently before AIM died. Like that oh, was his that was his screen name. Yeah. Um, and there would be chat rooms on AOL where Rivers would pop in every now and then. So I have all of the demos that I saved off my parents' computer, onto my college laptop, and then onto hard drives. These are going to be some quality 96 KBPS files, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. So I think we're doing two things. We're going to be talking about these demos tonight, and we're also going to be just talking about our favorite Weezer songs in general. So for me, that crosses over a lot. 
because the demos were the good ideas before the producers got in there. How do you feel about Weezer working with producers? Like, how? what do you think that dynamic is? Because we've tried to reverse engineer some of them, you know? Like, w especially uh, the Rick Rubin relationship and the Jermaine Dupree relationship. <laughs> um, but there's some of them, like, I mean, there's Rick Ocasek, yeah. who, they, who they had back after a long hiatus. There's the Jackknife League frequent collaborations, like... When you see, let's say, like the blacklist track list comes out and it, it's a detailed one where you can see like who produced what, uh, like who's the EP of the album. Like, does that affect your interpretations going in? Uh, back when I was obsessive about this, absolutely. I would say now, like, it doesn't matter who touches it because the more people that touch it, the further away it gets from River's actual voice. And we're so many... We're decades away from River's true voice at this point. He has put up so many shields, and now he just, like, copies and pastes teenage feelings. Yeah. That's true. So, for me, Weezer just, the more it gets filtered through producers and <laughs> collaborators, the less of the Weezer I love is there. But do you, I mean, this is going on the assumption that Rivers still has still has these capabilities, still has these urges to make a song in that vein. Um, he's gone through a lot of changes. He's most notably gotten married, has a stable relationship, you know, which was the impulse for a lot of his early material. Oh, absolutely. And a happy Rivers uh, doesn't necessarily mean that there can't be good music made. It's the same thing when you think about stand-up comedians, you know. Just because we think that a lot of them are funny because they're depressed. There's never a stand-up comedian that gets happy. <laughs> uh, I would say Jerry Seinfeld's very happy. He has every car that he wants. I think Chris Rock, uh, for the most part, has had a pretty good... His last whole special was about his divorce and like how fucked up his life is right now. Yeah, but he seems to be taking it pretty well. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's probably happy not being married, but he's, he's not like happy happy. Uh, what about the best comedian of all, Jay Leno? Jay Leno's a different story. <laughs> Steve hey, Harvey? Man. Steve Harvey? Did you know that Jay Leno's never touched his Tonight Show money? <laughs> what? You know that story? He, he only like uses the money he gets from touring, basically. He's, he always brags that he's never touched his, his like Tonight Show money. That's a separate, like, in a separate bank account that he will not touch. The look, the look on Megan's face has been incredible through this. I'm just we, shocked. We have talked about going to see his show. He has a show every Sunday in Marina del Rey. But, like, we cost it out, and it was just, like, it's, like, $25 to go and a two-drink minimum. And then we looked up the drinks, and they're all, like, $12 frou-frou drinks. It's like a steakhouse, right? Yeah. yeah. And we, it's <laughs> just, like, we're just, like, okay. Like, we, we were going to go and just wear all denim and see Jay Leno. And maybe he's actually good as a stand-up. Well, he's at one point he was. Apparently, he's like he was like a comedian's comedian in the eighties. Like he was like every comedian's favorite comedian. But like it was going to cost us like forty-five, like bucks. sixty bucks, yeah. and it's just like this. It's not that funny to see. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite Andy Kindler joke is like, do you know that Jay Leno has a car that only runs on the money he's ever spent from the Tonight Show? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're going to spend that much money, you might as well go see Jeff Goldblum pay, play jazz. That's actually yeah, good. Yeah, I yeah. can literally round my corner to do that. <laughs> it's literally 500 feet from my house. I've been three times. 
I have I have found, and this is going to get a little inside LA. But it's hard to tell tourists what to do when they come to visit LA because it's just like, oh, what do you like? It's here, you know. But there's no like big tourist attraction that you can tell like a grown adult to go to. Like, I'm not telling like a 35 year old man, hey, you got to go check out Disney World. You know what the fuck? But everybody Disneyland. Oh, I don't give a shit. <laughs> we are we are on different coasts right now. <laughs> but if you anybody you tell about Jeff Goldblum doing jazz will go, even if they're not into, like, the meme of Jeff Goldblum. Do you remember, like, I think it was, like, 2011. Okay. Sorry. Do you remember, like, 2011, like, where he set up just that Coachella and did a set, like, outside of Coachella? No. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, during Coachella, he, he set up, like, right outside of it and did, uh, like, a jazz set. I think, like, same place, like, Lil B did his set in, like, 2011. Lil B had a stage. The last time I went to Coachella, Weezer played. What year was that? Well, yeah, when was that? The one and only time I went to Coachella, so that would also be the last time. Uh, it was 2004? Uh, I was about to say. It was, like, <laughs> it was not while I was living near here. God. I was still in college at the time, and we drove overnight. I'm sorry. They've actually, apparently, they've played two times, but the f- last time was in 2005. When did they play before? Uh, I don't know. This, this person might be wrong. I, I'm reading off the internet right now. Internet's a good see, resource. I found a lot of like truth on possibly there. accurate information. I'm going to keep on looking, and I'll get back to you guys. <laughs> I think it was 05, because it was my sophomore year of college. Where did you go to college? I went to Berkeley. Oh, that's right, yeah. UC, not music. <laughs> so we drove all night after Coachella, so I could be at my first class on Monday morning. You know, Cy went to uh, Berkeley School of Music. <laughs> so did John Mayer. They performed twice, 2001 and then 2005. Wow. Yeah, I remember seeing them uh and it was awesome, but Coachella that year the headliners were Coldplay. Oh. And 9 Inch Nails. I haven't been to Coachella since 2014. Um they both they played the Main stage both times, though, though, which I guess that makes sense. That makes sense. I don't know if they get main stage now if they play. They, they'd get like a tent. But they'd get like no, a, no they, they get, would get main stage. It'd just be at 5 p.m. I think, no, I think they'd get like a tent, but they get prime time. You know what I'm saying? they get like a decent time. I mean, it, all this would be predicated on contract negotiations that we have no visibility into. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I went to Coachella, I just remember. <laughs> what? Oh, who played that year? I think Arcade Fire was like one of the Oh, headliners. yeah, I remember you. Arcade Fire played the year that I went as well. It was probably 2005, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was 05, and they were on like a side stage at 5 in the that evening. That was right after Funeral came out, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. My favorite Arcade Fire story is them sleeping on John Hawks' floor. <laughs> Our buddy John Hawks, not the actor. They may have also slept on the actor John Hawks' floor. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I saw Arcade Fire was actually in Houston, Texas. And they were opening for the Unicorns. No, the, yeah, they were opening for the Unicorns. And above them, between Unicorns and Arcade Fire, that was the Fiery a, Furnaces. That is such a small wow. space of time. That is such a small space of time when the Unicorns were actually performing live. How terrible were the Unicorns? They were wonderful live. Really? If Nick wasn't drunk, they were great. They were famous, they were famous for. Me. They were so famous for like their tumultuous sets, though. Like back then. I, oh know, yeah. yeah, I saw one show where uh, they just left in the middle. They were so upset with each other. I am. 
Did I tell you I saw the island's 10th year? Uh, I was there as oh, well. Did I, I did. I saw you. I ran into you. That's right. <laughs> I almost ran into Nick uh, Diamonds on the street the other day because he lives in this neighborhood. So Fiery Furnaces were the headliner of that show? Uh, it was either Fiery Furnaces or Unicorns. Because I used to like them until somebody pointed out to me that the lead girl's voice sounded like the same as like a five-year-old boy and I couldn't <laughs> listen to them ever since. <laughs> I mean, not that they had like a bunch of relevant albums afterwards, but like, yeah, there were like the two and then it got weird and electronic. I, I did not even go that far. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of women's voices, one of my favorite Weezer songs oh, yeah, features prominently a woman's voice. I just threw out the love of my dreams, correct? That would be the one. <laughs> It's a good song. It's a basically it's a song from the Black Hole song. Yeah, and you can hear that in the lyrics as well as the tone and feel of the song. But at one point, um, the female vocals, which are done by Rachel Hayden, one of the Hayden triplets, uh, their dad was Charlie Hayden, the famous jazz musician that died uh, a couple years ago. Uh, the third triplet is not a musician in the way that the two are Rachel and Petra. The third one ended up marrying Jack Black. So that would be the tenacious D connection oh, to Weezer. Wow. Well, that's kind of the thing, though. Like, with the songs from the Black Hole, they were supposed to have different, like, singers and whatnot. And, like, they were supposed to be female, like, characters who actually, she was going to be, like, a character on the album, correct? Yes. Yeah. So this character, I think, is supposed to be a robot, um, <laughs> because there's the lyric, I must be made of steel for I just li- threw out the love of my dreams. Uh, I mean, what a ridiculous thing songs from the black hole was supposed to be. It was going to be wonderful. It really would have been wonderful. I just don't know that I could ever see Rivers, especially post blue, just giving up the control that it would be needed to have other people sing and do parts on the album. Though. Well, this was actually a duet. So Rivers gets to sing on this song, too. <laughs> Oh, I love all the Pinkerton like um, b sides basically. Like, uh, I just stood off the love of my dreams, and there's um, you gave me your love to me softly, which so is, good. It's, which is co- of course on the Angus soundtrack. So good. <laughs> Classic. Well, there's a different song. He, he wrote this song called Wanda. First. Wanda, you're my and only they, love. And they uh, rejected it basically. That song was actually following the plot of the movie, so it was way too depressing a song to put on the soundtrack. <laughs> wait, wait, it was following the plot of the movie Angus? Yes. <laughs> do you want to hear it? Yes. Do you, do you remember who played the f- grandfather in uh, Angus? No. Really? It's George I, C. Scott. I, I could not tell you the last time I've seen Angus, okay? Uh, I haven't I haven't seen Angus since they stopped playing it on like uh, TNT or TBS every <laughs> Saturday afternoon. You haven't seen it when you turn on the TV after watching an NBA game. Well, it's like the day after. It's the the main girl is the girl from Jurassic Park, right? Like she's like the love interest. Laura Dern? No, not Laura Dern. <laughs> the little girl. Like uh, <laughs> that would be a different movie. That's Imagine Angus different. like like just I like fawning over Laura, Laura, Laura Dern, like nineteen ninety five Laura Dern. I saw Jurassic World twelve times, and they kicked me out for jerking off ten. I just saw that girl recently because they um the girl the actual girl because they did like a twenty fifth anniversary screening of Jurassic Park, and she showed up. I didn't see her in person. I saw a picture of her there. My best friend in college and college roommate, uh, her best friend from growing up in Houston, Texas, went to USC. And her best friend's roommate was dating 
the boy from Jurassic Park. Do you remember that? Does anyone remember that really shitty movie he was in, like Star? What was it, Starman or whatever? I forget what the fuck movie the it was. Carpenter like. film. That was from like 1982. <laughs> he was I also know. in Band of Brothers, and then he was in Raising Helen. Oh my god! I used to follow him on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to keep you updated in Weezer news, uh, being the star of Jurassic Park as a child did not for- give you in- an insight into being an actor as an adult. <laughs> So Wanda, You're My Only Love, uh, just going back to that, is on the home recordings, the first Rivers Alone album. We're going to take a break and listen to it. Except for her, she was my true friend, That was a great demo. That was a great song. Yeah. Um, you know what's really weird is like anytime I hear some of these demos or some of Rivers' uh, solo stuff, it's all the stripped down, an acoustic guitar, <laughs> maybe an annoying <coughs> Bob Dylan style harmonica, uh, some light drums. And more, more, those songs hit more often than not, not become hits, but they are good more often than not. That's why I say the thing about producers. I understand your point. I'm not going to... This is such a big argument, and it's a large philosophical argument that has no answer to it. Well, I think the, I think producers, some do great, some do bad. Uh, some, some, like Rick Ocasek, have a great relationship with Rivers, and they produce great... They have the same goals. They know how to get it out of him. Right. I, and, but there's others where, like, I'm sure that Rivers and Rick Rubin... Uh, who we have to always be forever talking about on this podcast. Uh, they have a great relationship. I'm sure they get along, but I think their goals are misaligned to where the product isn't good. That said, if there's going to be three songs on Black that are Rick Rubin produced, I'm super curious, and I'll give them all a chance. I mean, Rick Rubin does have a history of uh, producing things called the Black Album before. <laughs> uh, uh, you got to remember, though, the Probably the best Weezer album is the one that they produced themselves. I mean, Pinkerton, he's the producer on. That's that's a fair point. Yeah. Um, I wonder why he backed down then. I think because he just likes collaboration. It's like, why does he come bring, keep on bringing on so- different songwriters? I, I can also see like he saw the process of it and goes, wow, this is a fucking lot of work. You have to also remember that Pinkerton had a lot of backlash I know it was like flipped pretty quickly, but to put your heart and soul into something that was panned pretty unanimously at the time, and then he wouldn't even play Pinkerton songs for years on tour afterwards. It was probably like 2002 when he started bringing back Pinkerton songs into the playlist. Wow. Setless. Well, you also have to remember that I think it was because it was such a personal album, and it felt like such a rejection of him. Not just even of his music, but a rejection of him as a person, and it really hurt him. That's the time when he was calling fans little bitches <laughs> for demanding Pinkerton songs on set lists. To be fair, he was calling out fandoms before they got real bad, so good up to good up to Rivers. Uh, we are starting a GoFundMe to remake Pinkerton. <laughs> 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 
Actually, doesn't make any sense since everyone loves Pinkerton, but yeah. Then we're going to remake Make Believe. We're going to remake Make Believe. Actually, that would be kind of great with, the, with some of the demos that came out for Make Believe. I think I said on my live journal when Make Believe came out <laughs> that I wanted to make believe that that album didn't exist. Oh. oh. Well, I I had a ratitude that I hate that album. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing, I feel like, because I think, weirdly enough, Make Believe was the first album that came out where I was fully on the Weezer bandwagon, if that makes, you know what I'm saying? Like I wasn't there quite yet. I was, yeah. I was off the bandwagon at that point. But I was, I was a, I'm a few years younger than you. And I think I discovered Weezer a little later. And then like, I was like fully, it was the first album that came out where I was a full on Weezer fan. Yeah. I got onto the, the bandwagon when green came out, I heard one song on green and it was enough to, peak my interest away from musical theater was it photograph uh, i think it was Hashpipe. honestly okay and i was like okay let me try this music and then i got the blue album and then i went to buy pinkerton from my local record store and when i brought it up to the counter the asshole behind the counter was like uh this is in the bargain bin no one should ever comment on your purchases that is like oh the worst God. thing yes. ever yeah, uh, the blo- when I was growing up, the Blockbuster people would always fucking do it, and it pissed me off every time. This record store was next to a Blockbuster. Oh, God, I'm sure. It's just like, I just remember getting Ghost World, and the woman go, ah, blah, you know, and giving a big thumbs down. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ. It was the same record store where I later saw Pat Wilson's solo project play an in-store show, uh, oh. The Special Goodness. I have pictures of me with Patrick Wilson. You mean they couldn't get the blockbuster? The, the, they uh, couldn't get the blockbuster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so interesting. Uh, so let me ask, because we talked about this a number of times. How do you feel about the Green Album now? More importantly, how much of the Green Album do you remember? That's the thing. When you guys started pitting Green Album songs against other ones, I was like, nah, Green Album's good. And then I was like, no. Green album's not good. I I've had this a long time. Like no, Green album was fine. It was it just didn't live up to the expectations. And then going back, it's like Green album is really front loaded. And then depending on just like the stars in the sky and the angle of the sun, I can love or hate Island in the Sun and Hash Pipe. I think a lot of my love of that album was my teenage angst. Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh girlfriend yeah oh yeah teenage love oh all my emotions and then i got pinkerton i was like no this is teenage angst yeah this is the real shit and then like everything else that i will say about weezer there were some great demos for the green album that never made it on and there was a great song that should have closed the album uh but didn't and it would have been a better like bookend to that album it was called i do and it's just rivers and a keyboard. You want to listen to that demo right now? Yeah. Okay, let's, let's do, do it. All the times you came, I should have ran away. This song got a lot of attention on the Weezer message boards, and it was a thread. What was that, your username on there? 
uh, Megan C, but I spelled it C with two E's, so it was phonetically. Was it was it also because your parents at the time was like, you can't let people know who you are on the internet? They were pretty cool about my Weezer message board time. Actually, I had a Weezer message board friend from the Bay Area who was my same age, and she came to visit me over spring break one year. Holy shit. Yeah. There's pictures of me and her in my photo album that I found tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so this got a lot of talk on the message boards because it pulls a melody from a Billy Joel song. I was about to say, like, wait, this <laughs> melody... I. Which Billy Joel song? I believe it's uh, Leningrad. Okay. Yeah, it's Leningrad. Because it also sounds vaguely like one of those like military songs. Well, Leningrad, it's a Russian. Right, but like I don't know, like one of those songs that the Marines are always jamming out to. Yeah. Um. So there was a lot of talk about Billy Joel in this song, and Rivers chimed in on the message board and said, "Yeah, I love Billy Joel." This probably didn't come out because Billy Joel's actually really hard about that stuff. Yeah. Uh, like Kanye's tried to sample him a couple times and Billy Joel always blocks it. Hmm. I one time I put out on Twitter that I had this uh some producer, some A and R sent me a uh, a copy of this one Kanye song that had the Billy Joel sample and then as I had to delete it because all these Kanye message board people were harassing me for it. Uh hey, you're still not getting it, assholes. Well, this is really hard about that. Uh like um the Eagles are really hard about the that. The Eagles are really hard about, about that. They, they tried to sue Frank Ocean Yeah. Uh, for his song that is better than their song. I'll say it right now. Uh, actually, Roko Kasich was an asshole to a uh, car seat headrest. They had that They had that song that had the um, Just What I Needed uh, yeah. sample. And like they, they had to destroy like 30,000 albums because Jesus. of it. Jesus. And he basically had to rewrite the song like a week before. And like he did his own thing. But... They had to, there's so many, many hard copies, like I think basically vinyl albums, they had to destroy. That is a hard song to hold holy because it's on like fucking Sonic commercials and shit like that. I think the problem is they, they just didn't go for it. They didn't ask, or they thought they did and they went through the wrong channels and like there was just a mix up and he was a dickhead about it though. That shit's so complicated. Like yeah. anytime like people get upset, oh, they stole this song. It's like, no, it's actually really complicated. Like Big Pimpin' is yeah. still going through the course to figure out if the sample is legal or not. Well, it's a good thing Rivers never sampled on his rap song, Mo Beats. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Megan, question. What do you think about Can't Stop Partying? Well, having played the flute in the backing band of the Alone record y- release. Y- yeah, we have to get into this. Uh, I think it's pretty interesting song. I think that was an early version before they actually did uh, the, they record it. So there's no like little Wayne verse yet that he, that was available for it. Hold on, hold on. Megan, just please take us to how all, what happened and how it came to happen, how your involvement came, because uh, I haven't heard this story. Okay, so uh, that was the alone record release party at uh, a record store in Long Beach. I was living in San Francisco at the time, and one of my best friends from college uh, was also, I think she was living down here after college. She's basically hosting like a hootenanny, right? It was a hootenanny. So the first 50 people to call the record store, Fingerprints, and pre-order the album were put on a special list. Those 50 people could bring one friend, and we were given wristbands, and then you were told to bring an instrument and practice any Rivers or Weezer songs. So Vivian and I were both calling in at the same time, and she got through. So she got our tickets. 
she played the keyboards and I brought my flute and I spent some time in my apartment annoying my roommates learning flute parts to Weezer songs. Can I ask a question? Why was he dressed up like a train conductor? Because he was conducting oh us. My God. Oh my God. Except he was really dressed as an engineer. Oh, he was an engineer. Oh. He looked like fucking George R.R. R. Martin. So part of that look, too, is um, I think his daughter had just been born or his wife was pregnant with the daughter. And he had decided that a dad should have a mustache. So he had a big mustache. Oh, I remember those days. That's because his dad had, had a mustache, right? Like he grew up with his father and had a mustache. Father or stepfather? Oh. I think actual father. I think he had reconnected with his father by that point. So he was trying to emulate him. Uh, so hold on, let me ask you, have uh, when have have you kept up with playing the flute? Uh, occasionally, yeah. Okay. Um, I have friends who will occasionally have a little hoot nanny of their own. Um, like that's that not related to Weezer at all. They're sing-alongs. Um, so they had one a few years ago that was a Bell and Sebastian sing-along. Oh, so I learned my. Bell and Sebastian flute parts. I don't think Nick's going to be able to jump into this Bell and Sebastian discussion. It, it doesn't need to turn into a Bell and Sebastian discussion. Which Bell and Sebastian songs were you playing the flute on? Uh, I don't remember. I learned quite a few um, to have help. You, have you seen Bell and Sebastian lately? Yes. When was the last time you saw them? I saw them... Well, th- Actually, did we go to the same show, the one that was down at the Ace Theater? Yes. Yeah, I saw... Did you go to the first night or second night? I think we were at the second night. I was the first night. Well, if we saw each other, then I was at the first night. No, I didn't... Yeah, I, don't, I didn't see you, though. But I think we just... You know who I did see there? Who? James Gordon. Oh, really? And this was before he had the Late Late Show, so he was, like, pretty unknown in the crowd, and I was like, hey, you... I love Gavin and Stacy, which is the show that he produced in the BB for the BBC. Um, and he was like, "Ah, thank you so much." He was so appreciative. Um, <laughs> I saw um, I saw them. Re- I saw them after that. Actually, I saw them do. They did the spoon. Yes, uh, I was there. You, you were at yeah, that show. Yeah, I was at that, that show. Was a fun show. I'm also on the um, email list for the Bell and Sebastian Cruise. I met Stuart Mur- Murdoch. I saw when Sin and Family. Which is not around anymore. R.I.P. Yeah. I don't know if we can say R.I.P. Well, R.I.P. to the programming that was happening, not to the bad people. But Um, going back to Bell and Sebastian and how many times I've seen them, uh, I've seen them in three different countries. But I saw, I met Stuart Murdoch because they did a screen of uh, God Help the Girl. God Help the Girl. And he was there. And I bought a final version of the album, and he signed it for me. And I talked. I, I it's the only time I've ever been like, I just want to let you. I just want to let you know how much your music meant to me when I was like a teenager. So I saw Bell and Sebastian the first weekend I got into college, uh, and I went by myself because my friend who was going to go with me ditched me to go to a frat party. And it was Bell and Sebastian and Bright Eyes. So it was the oh, most wow. emo concert I could go to Jesus. the first weekend I was Andrew, in college. Andrew, how many times did you see Bright Eyes? Uh, I've only seen Bright Eyes actually live once. I saw Co- Connor do a show at the Greek about two years ago. So how did you find the flute parts for these Weezer songs? Well, Across the Sea was pretty easy to emulate. But you're just you're just listening and... Guessing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I composed it. Well, I didn't compose it. I transcribed it myself. I sat in my room with my flute and was listening along and then writing down the sheet music for myself. 
That sounds very hard to me. It was it was okay. Uh, what was harder was at the Hootenanny itself. Yeah, because he gives you shit. Yeah. I had to tell him how to play his own song. Oh. And I'm like smiling through it all. You like, are. I went back and watched it. It's pretty funny. Uh, so what was harder at the Hootenanny was just picking up songs that I hadn't practiced. And I was just following the guitar progressions. Because did you have any idea what was going to be played at all? No. So the way that the playlist was put together was everyone who brought an instrument uh, raised their hand. And the more obscure instruments, like a flute, got to pick songs before the guitarist got to pick songs. So I picked Across the Sea right off the bat. I'm going to wager that song would have been picked anyhow. But I'm yeah. sure it would have. Um, Wait, who, do, you, do you remember who picked Can't Stop Partying? I don't. I wonder if that was one that Rivers put in. I don't think anyone picked that song because no one would have known that song at the time. Yeah. That song was not, there wasn't on, because Can't Stop Farting actually first emerged on Alone 2 before it was even on uh, Ratitude. On, on, um, yeah, on Ratitude. Yeah, so that, that was, was probably. Here, which I don't think had come out. Was it? Was This was a record release party. Okay, so that, so, but no one had really been able to probably digest it yeah. no so there were some songs that rivers probably suggested so if, if no one's heard it did he give out sheet music or how did he we, i mean i, I, mean, no, this I think is all we like were, a decade we were like ago i know given just... the chord progression maybe okay um, okay they had a drum kit in the room and whoever could play drums was just instructed to go up and play the drums the best song of the night outside of across the street uh, across the sea which was special um was a guy with um I forget what it's called. It's like a little electronic. It looks like the body of a guitar, and it's uh, like an omnichord, an omnichord. Oh, yeah. And he played Devotion on that, and it was just like the prettiest. There's thing. no way that Rivers knows how to still play Devotion. He probably had to look <laughs> up the chords and what. I think he looked at the words while this guy played the omnichord. Yeah. Um, well, there's recording of it. Funny enough, I saw him at the uh, when I saw him do that solo set at the uh, in the Highland Park. He had like a computer in front of him at all times, like looking at lyrics. So I watched the uh, Kimmel performance of him doing Africa. I think he's and so he's doing that, that. But then if you look, they also did Buddy Holly. He keeps looking at that computer throughout it. You would think he would know the lyrics to Buddy Holly I, by the I'm way. hoping like he's kind of doing that sort of thing that Prince would do. Prince would have his guitar solos and then he would go over to the side of the stage and play and kind of look down. But he had a TV there. And he was watching the Chicago Bulls playoff games. <laughs> Apparently, Prince was a huge Bulls fan. Why was he a Bulls fan? Just because of Jordan? I think he probably... I don't think the Timberwolves were there at the okay. point. Okay. And so they were the closest if you didn't like the Bucks, So... Yeah, also, also, it was the Jordan era. It was the Jordan era. It was like, you were born in Florida and you were a Jordan fan. Well, maybe Rivers was watching the World Cup. That's true. Entirely possible. Not during that performance during Kimmel because the, the World Cup was not going on, but yes. Nobody cares when the World Cup is going on. There was a mic drop there. Yeah, they'll hear that. We'll probably edit that out. This but there was a very sloppy episode. We told them, and if they don't like it, they can skip. I, uh, my friend Joe John like, tweeted, I can't believe it took like seven episodes for Nick Rob to make fun of soccer. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, what's your favorite Weezer song? Uh, either across the sea, 
or Satan. So I know that sounds boring, but those songs, yeah. Well, Satan so Rivers wrote when he was 16 years old. It's still a perfect song. It's it like, really it, is. It's, 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 it's an incredible record. It's so efficient and it's not giving. It's so weird to listen to it in comparison to like the more recent songs because he's so. Whenever he has an emotion, he's basically explicitly saying it. Say it ain't so. You have to piece that together for yourself. You know, like the clues are all there, uh, like the snowman. Uh, but <laughs> that's the first snowman joke on the Weezer bracket. I'm sure there will be another one sometime. I'm sure. Because Mr. Detective, he gave us all the clues. Yeah. Mr. Rivers gave us all the clues and we put Say It Ain't So together. Uh, and it's But it's very rewarding, very alluring that. Because if you listen to it, it just sounds like a generic rock song. And then it's like, oh, there's all this stuff going on. Uh, and it kind of sum, perfectly sums up Rivers Cuomo himself. I think my favorite Weezer lyric is, this bottle of Stevens awakens ancient feelings. I, I It's... It's such a packed lyric, lyric, and like so wonderfully, it rhymes, and it's it sounds kind of stupid at first, but it's so wonderful when, when you actually. It really is, especially as coming from the child of an alcoholic, yeah. which is what the song is about. Um, it all came this this song came to be, if my Weezer message board uh, information is correct, because Rivers saw his stepfather drinking a beer. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what it is. And it's basically, it's like, oh, it, it, it's the same thing that happened again. Basically, yeah. I saw my, my parents' marriage be ripped apart because my father's alcoholism. Will this happen? I think it actually did happen. I think his stepfather did become an alcoholic, and that marriage also crumbled because of yeah, and Rivers also swore at that point that he would never drink until he was 21 years old. Counterpoint. Does perhaps raising a young Rivers drive you to drink? <laughs> Rivers or Peter? Actually, I think it was Leaves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh it was his brother. <laughs> and this this was when they were living in Yogaville, Connecticut? Okay. Was it? I'm, I'm asking. I know Rivers grew up on an ashram. We, we, we've, we've definitely talked about that yeah. before on this. It was called Yogaville. That's lazy. <laughs> it's like a uh, Pennsylvania town called Factory. <laughs> and this is this is before the days of like Google image search. I'm pretty sure that Let's... there were pictures of rivers with the guru floating around the message boards. So, Andrew, your songs are pretty easy picks. Uh, Nick, what about you? Outside of Can't Stop the Party. <laughs> I mean... Because his thing, it's going to be like Blue and Pinkerton songs, and it's just like at this point, it's kind of like very boring for me to talk about this, just because we've been dealing with this. Because those songs are perfections. Um, let me go outside. Um, I think one of the more interesting experiences that I had was finally getting Green Album because I was very excited for it. Yeah. And Photograph is a phenomenal song that I think is very underrated as far as Weezer's song goes. And I think that song gave so much promise to the Green Album. And I think that's why I think we were able to kind of phantom menace to ourselves that it was very good. It's uh, like a technically perfect song. It really is. And it's one of those songs that has hand claps and ooey both things that, when done wrong, drive me up the fucking wall as heard we talk about many times when I'm severely intoxicated and it does them both at the same time so well. Have you ever seen, did you ever have the, um, 
Michelle Gondry, uh, like uh, digital series. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I went to a to college at a time where it was issued to you upon <laughs> registration. There's a in the booklet that came with it. There's a he he lays out a rejected Weezer pitch he did for them. I oh, I do not remember that. And it's it's all soccer based, and it's basically this kind of like uh, soccer like I think field and he played it out because i think he knew that rivers was like huge soccer fan so he thought that if he did like a soccer pitch they would buy it up and i forget what happened i would know rivers is weird i would love the alternate universe where that happened just to where weezer had a really interesting music video <laughs> well like one of the more interesting ones is the mark romanick uh, music video that he hates for el scorcho it's not, I love that video. It's not like the most. It's not like the most high concept video, but it's gorgeous. It's hands down the best shot music video ever. It's yeah. just, it's oh, yeah. it's kind of weird. It's moody feeling. Uh, Matt Sharp makes some great faces it's, in it. It's hands down the most. I wouldn't say it's the most interesting music video because some of the Spike Jones music videos, of course, are. Yeah. I think actually Undone has the most interesting music video in some ways because I don't know what like Spike's doing with that video. But. I believe a dog pooped inside the bass drum, <laughs> if um, I'm remembering correctly. Speaking of these things, and speaking of our, one of our favorite human beings, um, I went back and watched the uh, first Letterman performance by Weezer doing Say It Ain't So. And it's amazing because Rivers has, by this point, not established much of a stage presence. He's just got the like deer in the headlights look. Yeah, uh, 100%. Uh, Pat's doing his thing. Matt Sharp is taking this very, I'd say, like Blink 182. Like, he is standing with his legs as far apart as possible, and he's taking his arm back as far as possible to hit all of his chords. Like, it's like he's trying to start a, uh, a lawnmower every time he plays. He's a very physical and, performer. And he is running around. It kind of looks like he's trying to, it looks like his audition tape for At the Drive In. <laughs> And it's like, oh, one of these guys does not belong to this band. Uh, I've I've seen the rentals recently, and he still has that crazy energy. Who was in the rentals at did this you, point? Did you the last time you saw the rentals? Was that the show I ran into you at? Yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite, I will say, when we're talking about just Weezer music video moments, one of my favorite moments in a Weezer music video is for the Saint Ain't Sub music video after it ends, where Rivers the just, juice box, the juice box moment. I love the Rivers juice box moment. It, it, I don't know if that was planned, but it just seems like such a just. Different, and yeah, I also love Carl uh, doing his laundry. Carl Cock, who's the best friend of Weezer and does everything for them. He's always thanked in the liner notes. He's always in the pictures, in the background. He's doing his laundry during that video. If you've ever been a Weezer fan, I feel like you've had some sort of like um, interaction with Carl at I've some met, point. Yeah, met him when uh, the Special Goodness played in my hometown. I also, the Coachella where I saw Weezer, I was standing near the soundboard and saw Carl in the crowd. And I yelled, hey, Carl. And he turned around really surprised. And I like hid behind people. Andrew, would you say he's the equivalent of the mighty mighty Boston's dancing guy? He is the skank of he is the skank guy of, of Weezer, basically. Can I also point out? We've, I don't think we pointed out that Megan is wearing a free Matt Sharp T-shirt right oh, now. Oh, thank God! I thought you were about to talk more about Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. I was real worried for us. <laughs> we, we're not going on that detour. How many Mighty Mighty Boss Tones songs can you list? <laughs> that. That one from Clueless. It's yeah, um, no, knock on wood. 
two in Oh, that's right. It's not called knock on wood. What's it called? Um, uh, the feeling that I get. The feeling that's that I right, get. Yeah. The, but the only lyric anyone knows is like knocking on wood. Yeah. There's two in Clueless and it's like this one. And uh, Mr. Beeks was uh, talking to me about it recently. And he's just like, oh, uh, yeah, they, they do this one. And it's like, where do you go? Where did you go? Uh, and he's like, it's one of the worst songs I've ever heard. I go, it was a single. It has a music video. The music video is fucking it's, terrible. It's, you should watch it. Clueless came out in like that, like about that three month period where Ska was cool. Ska keeps going away and coming back. Like, there's people, there's, like, a new ska movement now, it, or at least on Irony Twitter, but they seem to be really into it. It's very upsetting to me. Doesn't 10 Things I Hate About You have, like, a ska song? Like Letters to Cleo. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, uh, I had a friend in high school who was really into ska. Also, in college, I was in a club called uh, Nerd Noise, and we had a guy in the club who was really into ska, and we called him Ska Dave. I had a friend in high school who was very into Christian ska. Ooh. Like, like it was like, a God is not some God. He reigns from heaven on earth. Like, like seriously like that uh, to all. This ska is like, songs. this is like an all time. Th- this sounds like an all time horrible thing. This is like, if you united like 2018 Tim Burton with 2018 Will Smith and made a movie. Wait, what, was that, fuck. what was that kind of like goofy kind of ska band that uh, they're called, any Scott. The Aquabats. The Aquabats. Aquabats. Yeah. They were very Christian. They're st- they still tour. They're still like a. They're still like a draw. I think they played like the El Rey like a few months ago. Speaking in, of yeah. bands that are playing in L.A. soon, and how many singles can you name of theirs? Uh, Smash Mouth. Oh, and I the spin like doc and the spin doctors playing Maybe, for you know free. we went and saw scott we saw smash mouth when they played the grove well they're playing years, for free in pershing square yeah, they played yes. the, i have rsvp to the show and and the spin doctors follow me on twitter i also have RSVP by the way there, the I, show. Think, I, I think there's a i think there's a demo uh, that rivers wrote called ska do you know this uh, let me check my laptop. Can we look this up and we'll listen to it? Yeah. Okay, let's take a break. Yeah, this is one of those ones that we looked for and we couldn't find. No, I found it. I remember I sent it to you. Yeah. It's not Scott at all. Thank God. Andrew, so we're listening to uh, Weezer covering Valoria. Do you think there's ever been a good cover of a Weezer ba- song? Oh, uh, that one those seventh graders did, where the the uh, keyboard <laughs> fell down fell down in the middle of it. That was pretty great. Uh, Juliana Hatfield does a really good cover of "Say It Ain't So." Okay. And the UC Berkeley marching band oh. had a Weezer halftime show. Oh, uh, the Deftones always covered "Say It Ain't So." It was actually pretty good. Okay. I was just wondering. I was legit because yeah. Weezer seems like a very hard band to cover because they're so specific in what they do. I guess that's true. I'm sure there are plenty of covers of Buddy Holly. 
Yeah, like YouTube covers, and it's just like, oh yeah, I got a ukulele and I got bangs. Here we go. But the Deftones covered "Say It Ain't So" for years, and they would tour and do it every time, and it was always pretty decent. I'm pretty sure there's a really good Ben Queller Weezer cover yeah, I'm sure out I'd there. Um, I have bangs, but I have a flute, not a ukulele. <laughs> wait, wait! I know the cover. I know the cover that's good. Uh, the Olsen Twins covering "Island in the Sun." The Olsen Twins who share a birthday with Rivers Cuomo. Oh, really? What? Yes. So happy belated to the Olsen twins as well. They are, like, what are they, 32 now probably? 32, 33? They are 32, 33 and billionaires. They are like a, they're like a year older than me. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're billionaires. Yeah. They have a billion dollars to spend. They actually toured my friend from the Weezer message boards dorm room at NYU when they were considering NYU. So I know they're a year younger than me. Did you guys ever watch the uh, Olsen twins? Wait, wait. Under what scenario were they going to stay in the dorms? Did you guys ever watch the Olsen twins uh, detective? Like, uh, no, I didn't watch this. You never watched the Olsen twins detective series? No. Well, my, one of my favorite things about this. Megan, did you? No, hard no. Why are you watching well, you know this, Andrew? It's a hard fucking yes for me. Andrew, you were like seventeen at the time. No, this when they were like nine. They're like, they're, they're. I was like, seven Andrew, or eight. you. But but you watched it when you were seventeen. Jesus fucking Christ! No, I watched New York Minute when I was seventeen, <laughs> but I didn't watch the Detective series. I watched It Takes Two when I was like 10. <laughs> Do you guys remember It Takes Two with Steve Gutenberg and Christian Alley? No. It's like their version of The Parent Trap, except they aren't related. What? Wait, wait. I They're twins the and they play people who aren't related? It's like The Prince and the Pauper, basically. Oh, okay. It's like okay, their okay. version of The Prince and the Pauper. It, but it's I remember like, wished yeah. up Wishbone doing Prince and Pauper. <laughs> I remember the Mickey Prince and the Pauper that I think played before uh, Fantasia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that's right. But uh, I'm sure the uh, Wishbone version was even better. What is your favorite Weezer song? Uh, probably El Scorcho. Okay. Which is still my roller derby name. I'm still playing roller derby. Are you still El Scorcho? I am still El Scorcho. Because I thought you had switched teams, basically. I have. I am on two roller derby teams within my league. Switch teams and keep names. Yeah, I, I got you. Had, like LeBron, LeBron changes teams. He doesn't change names. Well, he changed numbers. He went from 23 to six. And that was bullshit. And we all know it. Okay, that's true. I think we should talk about this. Megan is a, a <laughs> Megan is a. We shouldn't talk about LeBron. There's not much more to say about LeBron changing numbers, but Delonte West fucked LeBron's mom. That's canon. I'm not gonna edit that out because I think that needs to be on this podcast. But yes, because I do play roller derby. <laughs> Megan, you you play uh, you you are a roller derby player. We've seen you play multiple times, and you're you know who else has seen me play? Who? Matt Sharp. Free Matt, Matt Sharp. Sharp. Yes. Um, yeah. No, I play roller derby with the LA Derby Dolls. I've yeah. been roller skating with them for seven years. And when it came time to pick a derby name, you've been in seven years. Seven years. Jesus. I just. I remember when you were in Fresh Meat. Yeah. yeah and my team. I'm on. Fight Crew is my home team, and I'm also on the All Star team, and we just won the national championships. So bravo! This was my, bravo! I think this was my fifth national championship with Jesus, the team. Jesus, more than LeBron. Um, <laughs> um, what's your position right now? I am primarily a jammer, uh, but I prefer 
to do 50-50. You used to be a 50-50, yeah. yeah. So but... Jammer is the offensive player whose job it is to skate fast and not get hit. I really miss Derby being at, in Angelino Heights. <laughs> I do too, it but was... we're moving to Vernon. Oh, that's a little closer? Yeah. It's... Were you in Alhambra? Or... Wait, so, so how do they find the most inconvenient locations possible? I don't know. It's <laughs> it's very expensive. Real estate in LA is very no, expensive. I, no, I, no. Uh, Derby clearly needs like a warehouse almost, and so it's hard to find that sort of territory. Like I went by the old doll, doll factory the other day. It's like it's torn down. Like I can't believe it. It's halfway to condos. So in in Matt's house, there are he's got a room with all of the uh, platinum records and gold records, and the Tegan and Sarah albums are on the wall. Uh, as is the Pinkerton Platinum. Wait, he wrote albums for uh, Tegan and Sarah? He produced their albums. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I should know something about our other Weezer Crush Wednesday, Matt Sharp. So, yeah, this is, uh, he's got a pretty sweet basement in his house, and it's the karaoke basement. Oh. So you, uh, if you're friends with P, <laughs> you can do karaoke uh, facing the Blue Album and Pinkerton Platinum Records. Does Matt Sharp still make any money from Weezer? Yeah, he makes residuals from Blue and Pinkerton. Uh, yeah, how much money do you think comes in that way? So I used to work for a uh, record producer who had uh, involvements on like Appetite to Destruction and stuff like that. Yeah. And he never had to work a day in his life. And basically, like he wrote... He co-wrote some hit songs back in the 70s. And, uh, you know, once you have Michael Shannon play you, he had some songs Ooh, that he's he... Got like, he's got like a co-writing credit on like Cherry Bomb probably. Right? Oh, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was Kim Fowley. And he was a very difficult person I have to deal with in like my life. all that though, in your life is like just knowing how to manage your expenses. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Oh, no. He would not spend anything except he overpaid me. I will say the, the one thing about Weezer during that, that period was all the B-sides were just amazing. The uh, Blue Album B-sides which are like Suzanne. Uh, but, but to be fair, were we given White Album B-sides? I think there's like one. Yeah, it's not like they're they're opening up a vault of like here's some other shit we cobbled together. Well, yeah, like Suzanne, you got Jamie. Jamie, which was recorded as a student project, and that student only got a B. <laughs> Isn't Jamie about his lawyer though? Yeah. Also, I understand having a tumultuous relationship with your lawyer. It's not a tumultuous relationship in this song. It's complete adoration. So I have to ask, what is your favorite song off the kitchen tape demo? Uh, Paperface. It's it's hands down Paperface. Um, there's pa, a version pa, pa, of Paperface. Pa, 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 paperface. Nick's a little drunk right now. Anyhow, a little bit, yeah. Anyhow, Paperface, which I think there's a better version on Alone Two that I really like. Uh, can we actually listen to that song right now, and then we'll get come back to it. Oh, 
my moves to the West Coast where I found. Uh, yeah, so Paperface, uh, that was off the kitchen tape demos, which were allegedly recorded in someone's kitchen. Um, Paperface is good. I also like Let's Sew Our Pants Together. I really hope they were recorded in Matt Sharp's kitchen. <laughs> in his kitchen currently uh, is his Moon Man. Oh, really? Yeah, you, I think you talk. I re- remember the first time, one of the first times I ever hung out, you were like, I've seen Matt Sharp's Moon Man. <laughs> I hope I'm not that shameless of a name dropper. It was not like the first time we hung out. It was pretty Hi, deep. I'm Megan. Nice to meet you. I've seen Matt Sharp's Moon Man. I had, I had met Matt first in college when uh, Berkeley had hired him to play his solo tour. And I worked for our on-campus production company. So I was... Uh, running hospitality that day so i met matt then i've never met matt sharp i feel like i should yeah me too <laughs> i feel like at this point like matt sharp and me meeting is clandestine how are you at matt sharp should be our friend come on how are you at ultimate frisbee i'm shitty because i because i hated those kids in college what about <laughs> cornhole I'm, so- I'm sorry mark i'm bad because i don't smoke weed so also on those kitchen tape demos uh was Let's our pants together, which to me, like I hear a lot of the hair metal influence and like the guitar parts. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've seen pictures of Rivers hair metal phase, right? Of course I have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was our Weezer Crest Wednesday. Weezer Crest Wednesday. And have you also listened to his band? Uh, Avant Garde. Avant Garde. I yes. have never actually listened to it. I can. I've never brought myself because I don't care that much about hair metal, so I, I kind of avoid it. So this band was fronted by Kevin Rydell, um, who had several bands after uh, as well. Let me apologize to all the times I've said, I've called it glam metal or glam rock. I meant hair metal. They're the same damn thing, but I know people get upset about this shit. Glam rock is a very different genre than hair metal. I will say that. Yes and no. No, that those are very different like uh, genres. Yes and no. Glam rock is like... Bowie and like early Eno and like Gary Glitter. Hair is the next progression of that though. Aesthetically, but I don't know like music wise. Yeah, hair does suck. Wow, Megan just brought up a picture of Rivers. That hair is six inches off of his head, maybe eight. It's insane. And it's like we've posted pictures of hair metal Rivers before, but never like this. Jesus. This is like cosplaying as a metal kid. This is this is him wearing wow, so I'm 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 thinking where his head stops. So that's eight inches of hair going up. Wow. So touching on creative abilities. Let's just do like a roundup here. Uh, best song for you, Nick, from Blue Album. <sighs> from Blue Album. 
I mean, it's my name is Jonas. Like uh, that song is so incredible. It's so dense. It's so well done. It's so boring for me to even say that. I I hate that. That's my answer. Just because like, I wish that I could say like, no, this other like song that everyone hates is better. But no, it's that song is fucking great. It's fucking great. Same question to you. Uh, I think the best song is Saint Ain't So, which is kind of the boring choice, but I think there's so much going on with that song and it has uh but I think it also ties up with my name is Jonas at times. I'm gonna pick only in dreams because I definitely made out to that song. <laughs> it is definitely the the best one to make out to. You got the you got the time. Yeah. Yeah, you you, you, got you, you have a little time to make out. Um, I mean, okay, of I'm all gonna, the make-out jams on that album, I mean, of the first two albums, you know, let's let's be honest. We are all into Weezer because it's just like make-out jam after make-out jam. It was like a boys to men for alt people. Like, oh my god, I'm just gonna make out to these depressing ass songs. Yeah, baby. Um, I'm gonna flip the song. What is your favorite song off of Pinkerton? Then Megan, El Scorcho. El Scorcho. I mean, that would make sense considering yeah. that that's your. Uh, you are Bell Scorcho. Yeah. I think uh, I, I will answer it myself then. I think it's Across the Sea for me. It's a good one. Uh, it's El Scorcho for me too. I think that song is incredible. Um, it's so vulnerable. Uh, he's really laying it out all on the uh, table, which he talks about. Uh, <laughs> it's him being out there and just like being like, look, I was a teenage dumbass. I mean, look, there's a lot of things going on for that. And I think when he does it now, I think he does it as like with perspective. That's what I'm saying. Megan, what is your favorite song off of the Green Album? I had to pull up the track list. Ah, how much do you, how many of these songs do you remember offhand? I mean, I could sing along to every single one uh, without faltering. Um, hmm. Don't Let Go is a strong opener, but that's not my favorite i'm gonna let you guys answer first i think my favorite green album song might be knock down drag out that's a fucking great song i love that record i love it very much but i already said earlier mine is photograph i think that song is like perfect compositionally i think it's doing everything i think it's basically the best extension of blue and pinkerton you know okay what's your favorite song off of maladroit then slob yeah, I would go. Slob, slob is so fucking good, and it's like I can't believe that song was almost left out. Like it took a lot of effort to get that song on the album, and I think that's actually the one, the one of the very, 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 very few good things that a fandom has done was the campaign to get Slob on the album. Uh, Megan, what's your favorite Maladroit song? Um, hmm. I was part of that campaign to get Slob on the album, so I'm going to have to take that one, too. Uh, a lot of the songs that didn't get on the album, I liked a lot better. Yeah. But for what's on there, yeah, Slob. Death and Destruction, before it had lyrics, was a really good song. Yeah. No, I mean, but look, <laughs> Slob is a classic song. Because, like, I mean, so how, many times, how many times have you gone to a concert that's not Weezard and someone goes... Slob on my knob, like corn on the cob. Check in with me and do your job. Like one. <laughs> I'm not gonna go through the rest of them because, like, please it's, don't. It's, 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 get, it's, it gets really dicey. It gets really dicey. Uh, what is your favorite 
what is your favorite everything will be all right in the end song if i can ask that nick do you have like one i mean i've said it before i think the futurescape trilogy i mean it really is a point where they go experimental and I think it really pays off. It does feel like something that Rivers always had in him. And he it should feels be. like basically what he's wanted from Songs from the Black Hole, but he may not have had the ability to write that at that time, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And that's not that's obviously not demeaning his songwriting capabilities at that time, but I think it's something he grew into. And I think it's like I think it's that those like scorpions and uh Fuck, who does Mr. Roboto? Uh, sticks. It's like it's like him pulling from like the scorpions and the sticks in the ways that he wants to, because like they would always have these like grand uh, orchestral swells into their pop music, and that feels like the first time he was able really to do that. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think it, it was something that he always had in him that he felt the need to do. Um, it, it feels like the first time he was able to do it in a way that he wanted to, as opposed to like him missing out from his theoretical want. There are a couple. Of, I, I really love that trilogy. I, I, I think it's one of the more interesting things he does. I think um, actually the kickoff ain't got nobody is really fucking it's fun. Fucking great. It's a really funny, fun song. It's a really fun song. Like I love it. Uh, Megan, I'd say just in general that was a fun tour. Uh, the way that they set up the smaller shows with the acoustic show first half and then the full album the second half uh, and that I got to be a part of the chorus. Did I ever tell you I got to be on TV because of that? <laughs> what? Yeah, I, I know I've told you this story. Uh, Carson Daly. That's right. Carson Daly filmed at the LA, the downtown LA set and there's a cutaway to me just jamming out in the crowd. Our, our friend, our common friend, Jamie Landau, he who who's an actor sometimes, uh, he was on an episode of uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I had, I had no clue about this. So I was like, hey, I saw you were in this episode. He's like, hey, I saw you on Carson Daly. He just sent me a picture he had taken me of me. I remember that picture, yeah. Yeah. I remember that picture. It was great. Shout out to Jamie. That's like the day that I woke up to find out that I was on Pitchfork because I was in the background of the fingerprint show. You were on like the front page of Pitchfork. Front page of Pitchfork when that was still a thing. That's an impressive feat. Thanks, Weezer. I would have enjoyed that so much. Being yeah. Yeah, especially being a college radio DJ at the time. That is a that is a eight point seven of a day, if I might say so. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe an eight point nine. Ooh. Whoa. Point two. Whoa. All right, favorite B side. Uh, I would have to say it's um, "You Gave Your Love to Me Softly." Good one, solid. Mine still. Uh, I just threw out the "Love of My Dreams" with "Devotion" being a close second. Favorite demo. I, I've always really liked "Lover in the Snow." Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I'm gonna go with "Mad Cow." Okay. Um, it's we kind of. Off mic talked about how Rivers was probably having some crazy mad cow neuroses during the mad cow scare, and maybe that helped to shape this song. I mean, I get I visited London during that mad cow scare, and it was just like, Do I eat this burger? Will this burger kill me in like the worst fucking way? You know who didn't have a problem though? Who Brian Bell, (laughs) the Weezer vegan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, I, for the record, uh, me and my entire family, we all ate the burgers, and we have so far turned out fine. Um, except one of us uh, devoted uh, their time to making a bad Weezer song podcast. So maybe, maybe it did get me. I think this is about the time to wrap this up. I think so. There's just one song we haven't talked about at all yet. And I know it's like one of your favorites. What is it? Long Time Sunshine. Oh, we have not talked about Long Time Sunshine. I love Long Time Sunshine. Like, go out, stream the song. It's really beautiful. He had to write that before he went back to Harvard, right? It was before Harvard, yeah. Because he basically kind of like calls his shot a little bit in that song yeah uh, sometimes i want to give it all up and go back to it uh yeah. get on a bus and move to vermont or maine or one of those states yeah. back east that i remember why do i know the lyrics uh, and says he wants to go to an east coast college with a history yep i feel did. like Lady Bird was just like stealing straight from that song I, I love it because cle- i think it's clearly supposed to be the song that wraps up the song from the black hole yeah in, in fact, there is the there's multiple versions of it. There's the one version that's just kind of clear, like, and then there's the one version that ends with the medley that kind of wraps up Pinkerton slash Songs from the Black mm-hmm. Hole. It has like Why Bother and everything. Yeah. So it's a good way to wrap up this very special episode. It's one of my favorite Weezer songs. So update your brackets accordingly. Uh, no songs have moved on. <laughs> uh, no songs have been eliminated at the same time. Uh, there's songs next week that we're going to bracket against each other. We might jumble things up. We don't know. There's no real rules for Weezer bracket that uh the U.S. law has passed. So we're gonna we're gonna do whatever we want, just like Rivers. I want to thank uh Megan for having us. Thank you, Megan, for coming on. This has been fucking great. Thank you to her husband, Mark. I I think I accidentally called you fiance just because it's so. Thank you, Megan, for having us over and doing this. This has been a lot of fun. Give us five stars or two stars. If you're going to rate us down, give us two stars because that's hilarious. Our two-star review has been revoked or they changed it. Yeah, they they started to stop talking shit. They, they They came around on us. They're like, oh, wait, these guys have the Weezer insights I need. Okay, guys. You guys have a good week. We'll, uh... We'll, we'll see you next week. Yeah. If you, let us know if you like edited episodes better. Bye. Love you.